My name is Will Holger, and I'm the host of the Willpower Podcast, and today we have a very special guest. His name is Anthony Trucks. Now, Mr. Trucks is a former NFL athlete. He performed on the American Ninja Warrior. He's also a best-selling author, and he is the founder of the Identity Shift. So, Mr. Trucks, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Hey, man, no problem. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh, so, how are you doing today? Good. I just uh, I get to live a life. It's, it's pretty cool, man. I got no complaints. I get to, I get to help people. It's it's uh, I get to do something that I love doing that people love that I do. That's awesome. It's great to have a good purpose. So yeah. to start off, I'd ask all my guests the same question. Uh, so what motivates you to get out of bed every day to do what you do? You know, there's a uh, there's a couple things. One of them it, one of them is the fact that like I was I was given this opportunity to live a life that I live, so I'm I'm incredibly blessed and, and happy that I get to live it. And two, uh, I really genuinely get up every day and I, I look forward to creating stuff for the world, whether it's writing emails to people that I get to to inspire them a little bit, or for, you know create breakthroughs for what they are struggling with, um, or if it's doing podcasts like this, or to film videos, or I mean whatever it might be, like it's a genuine love I have for the work I get to do with the world. So those kind of things, they get me up. And I get up far earlier than most, I think, because I, I actually, as soon as my brain turns on, I go. I found that the one of the worst things for me is drinking any kind of liquid before I go to bed. Because if I get up to go pee, it doesn't matter if it's like four in the morning. I'm now up at four in the morning. Because the second I'm up, I'm just up. My brain turns on. And it's always focused on what can I create and do. Wow. That's pretty awesome. And it's clear that you definitely have a positive impact on this world and so now i'm curious like what time do you get up in the morning just uh, it's, uh, it's very sporadic on average it's about 5 30 to 5 50 but it, it, right. it, it could be sometimes four o'clock if it's a four o'clock i'll take a nap at some point but anything after like 5 30 i'm up the whole day wow that's awesome that's pretty that's pretty early i know a lot of people aren't up that early in their lives so no it's good it's quiet time man my house is quiet and the world is quiet and it works for me yeah definitely so, I mean, you honestly have a very incredible story, and you were an NFL athlete. You were on American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like, what was your childhood like, and how did you get to that point in your life? Oh, I mean, my childhood was amazing. It was so great. <laughs> I had one of those uh, I had one of those super weird childhoods that uh, they were not very positive or joyous in any way. And uh, in the middle of it, it's like, man, I wish I never had to deal with that. But at the same time, it made me who I am. So my... I was given away in foster care by my real mom when I was three, me and my three siblings. And man, she, she subjected us to some pretty crazy situations in the foster care system. So like, I was like beaten and starved and tortured and everything like from like three to six years old, really hated stuff for some weird people. And, uh, and then I ended up in the household, which is my family now at six, a uh, really poor family, only black person in an all white family. And so I had a lot of weird identity issues and who am I and where do I fit and where's my real mom and, um, I want to go home with her, even though she's not a good fit, just all these weird stuff. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't adopted until I was 14. And uh, even at 14, like my adoptive mom gets diagnosed with MS, my older brother goes to the military. I try my hand at sports and I'm horrible at sports. And so I just, life barely fell apart. My childhood was not one of those ones where you're like, oh yeah, that was fun. <laughs> but yeah. it, it did give me a, a really good perspective on how to be happy and appreciate what I have, which is why I get up and do what I do, because I, I genuinely know what I could be doing. 
you look at you know statistics for foster kids, any prison in America, 75% of the inmates have spent time in foster care. Um, the homeless population, it's like 50 plus percent of the homeless population are former foster kids. And then you also have like less than one of us will ever graduate from college, 1%. Um, and so it's just a lot that's stacked against us, we'll call it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly, that is a crazy childhood. And like you said, so you were in foster care and then you got adopted when you were 14 years old. So how did you learn to find out who you are and what your identity was? Uh, you know what? I learned by breaking everything, to be totally honest, man. That's how you do it, right? Uh, it's kind of that thing where, and I say breaking everything, it's like it's like this, this situation where for a lot of us, we're rolling through life and we're not realizing a lot of what's going on. And so we're just kind of going through the paces. And a lot of us will do this and, and we'll break life and then we'll settle into a broken life. And it's a really difficult thing and it can happen at any age. I mean, it gives people that you know, have things happen at earlier ages, at younger ages and um, and then older, you know, so what happened for me is I broke it. And then I, after a while, like three years floating in that space, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't like this very much, man. So I, I, yeah. I went to you know, 14, I, I got a college scholarship when I was, you know, 18, I figured out football and played, got to the NFL. And after having a kid at 20 years old and finding my real dad at 21 and that was unique stuff. And then I came out of the NFL off an injury and like had a whole massive crisis of who in the world is Anthony. And uh, you had to find him by, by neglecting everything around me and only focusing on Anthony. And, uh, you know, I had three kids at the time now. And, uh, man, just I had this situation where my marriage fell apart. My, my family fell apart. Business was doing horrible. I was out of shape. I was still reeling from not being a football player anymore. And just it all sucked. And that's when I got to that point, man. Life broke. And I did settle into a broken life for about three years. And then I got to a point where my mom passed away from MS at a – you know, at 47 years old in 2015, and I realized like this life is not a joyous one. And I decided for not to be broken anymore. And so I went in and I tried to figure out like, what in the world is going on, man? Because most of us, we don't do that. We don't go back and actually look and say, what's, what's really broken here? And what we typically find is a common denominator is us. And, and either you wow. choose to look at it and you choose to be like, all right, I gotta be better. Or you find ways to pacify it. And what's even worse, one of the scariest things for me is people who are borderline successful because when you're kind of successful you lull yourself to sleep into thinking that you're okay it's so it's not as bad as it could be. you know it's it's all right when really it could be far better and you might be way worse than you perceive and so for me like i just got to this point where i woke up to it and I started trying to figure out what in the world i need to work on i was a denominator and i started working on stuff man making some yeah. acceptances owning some really difficult things and, uh, and taking some genuine actions in the opposite. I got to say, I mean, your story is definitely unique, and it's so cool to hear that you did. I mean, you, you were able to find your identity through all of this, and I think it shows to people that are listening to this that, you know, you can find your identity too. Like, anyone can find it. I mean, you just got to focus on it and really just figure what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, it's there, I mean, Yeah, we all have the identity. It's a crazy part. You just have to think of it. I, I tell people... It's kind of like a computer. We all have computers. You're using a computer. I'm using a, you know, a computer. We have, you know, if you want to call it phones and all of that software. And essentially, your identity, the most baseline way to look at it, your body physically is your hardware, and then your identity is the software. And the software right. allows you to win or win or lose. I mean, everybody for the most part healthy. We have fingers and toes and everything. And if you're not doing something physical, it's a matter of what are you doing with the fingers and toes in the brain. What are you learning, reading, applying, creating, talking, sharing? Like, that's it. So it's, it's the software. And so if you think about a computer, 
like the computerized software and you know and after a while you get these alerts that pop up and they say hey do you want to update your computer and i say no no computer i'm working on something so i smooth <laughs> and then you know i do my work and then you know possibly again you want to do it like no leave me alone and then after a while the programs start going a little bit slow and then you, know, you get that little like spinning wheel of death like oh this is messed up so i try to open it safe mode and i click a few buttons and then i restart it and but now I'm like cutting off the full functional power of this thing. So I, for a while, I like, you know what? I really got to step back and take the frustratingly painful time it takes to, to just let this thing update. And then I do it. And then all of a sudden, the thing works amazing again, right? All the programs yeah. again. And so it's kind of how we are. And the way it works is like we in life, we're presented with all these updates. It's like, hey, you know, go to school. Hey, read more. Hey, learn this. Exercise. Eat healthier. We say, no, 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 snooze that. I'm going to do that tomorrow, Monday, next week, next year. New Year's resolution, right? And the programs around us, those are like our friends, family, career, education, you know, our finances, all that kind of stuff. And after a while, the programs, you keep snoozing stuff, but those things start bogging down. And then you get that spinning wheel of death. And you're like, well, I'm just going to open in safe mode. It's like my rock bottom. And I figure I'll just do the best I can to just cut everybody off and focus on me. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself with this busted computer that you really have to step back and say, wow, like I, I got to update this thing. This is your identity. It's just, it's, it's the core root foundation of how you think and operate on autopilot. Whenever you go to autopilot, that's, that's what happens. And, and for us, when we get to the point of realizing what that looks like, it looks just like a computer. You have to pull back from life, remove yourself from situations and take the time to just update, download new information, upload it into your software, take the time to do this. And then you get to the point of realizing like, oh, I can run smoother. My relationships are better. My career is running smoother. My health is better. Everything runs faster. And the problem is a lot of people in the world right now, they have these brand new computers every day. It wakes up brand new. It's fresh new hardware, but they're operating off Windows 95, like dial-up. They get stuck. And the identity, when I step into the work I do, my job is to help them upgrade how they operate from a computer standpoint, which really their identity. Wow. Yeah. And you know, that that's really fascinating. I love that analogy comparing people to computers because I really do feel like people just go through life in the stages that society has set up for them. Like they go to high school and they go to college and they get a job and stuff like that. And those are all basically like, like the normal upgrades like you were talking about, but how can people learn to kind of break out of that mold and just, you know, really figure out what they want to do and uh, kind of like veer off of the path that society wants you to go on. Like, how can people learn to just go follow their own dreams and their own path? Well, I mean, the interesting part is I don't know if you learn it. It's a matter of do you do it? Do you have the gumption, the balls to just go and do it? Or lady balls. And <laughs> at that point, then you have something special. But the reason a lot of us don't is, yeah, we have these these inherent concepts and thoughts and fears, right? There's a, and we'll, we won't call it a fear of failure because that just, it, it's too broad stroke, but like there's a fear of, of a lack of acceptance, the fear of negative judgment, there's a fear of going broke, a fear of losing out, fear of FOMO, they literally call it fear, right? It's just what it is. And so what we don't do is we don't step into the area where, where we know if it did work out, it'd be great. But if it doesn't work out, it's really bad. And we, we will err to the side of being driven by the fear. So it's not that people need to learn how to chase a dream or learn how to go do their own thing. Like people know how to dream. They're doing it every day. And, and unfortunately, we're seeing more of it than ever. So it's more of this aspect of comparison of, man, I suck because I don't have this thing that Susan on here has where I get messages every day. Hey, I need followers on Instagram. Can you shout me out so I can get some? Like, you know, you don't need followers on Instagram. 
you need to go to school, man. Like you're 12. Right. And it's an interesting world, but that's what goes on. It's like, yeah, you just need to have the gumption to go do the work. And people right. hear all the time. And the thing is, people hear that. They'd be like, yeah, I heard that a million times. I got to do, I got to go do work. If you heard it a million times, then go do the damn work, man. It's, it's like, it's this weird balance between, if you look at some of the most successful people, they're not consuming, they're creating. Like right. I, there's people like you asked me a minute ago, did I know, you know someone specific was following me? I'm like, I didn't, cause I don't, I don't go on there and check. <laughs> I just yeah. create stuff that the world enjoys and I go and I, I engage with people, but I'm not on there. So I don't go on and scroll through social media trying to find stuff. Like I'll, I'll do it for research purposes. If I want to stick what, what's new in the world or what a buddy or friend of mine's doing. But I, I'm more of like, what can I create and add to this stockpile so somebody stops scrolling when they see me on the screen? Right. And yeah, like you said, like you know, it's important to just put content out there about your business or what you want to do later in your life. But you know, it kind of can be hard for a lot of people that are kind of just starting from scratch and like they don't really have a following. They don't know if anyone's really going to listen to them. And I mean, why would anyone listen to them? Because they don't really like have a business yet or even know what they're doing and no one even knows who they are. So how can people find like that confidence to just, you know, start posting and just going for it? Well, it's interesting you say it's hard for them to do it because they don't have followers. It's really not any harder than it is for me. The problem is they're married to the outcome and they're married to this this de off destination. And when you get off there and you stop doing it for that, it's not actually hard. It's not hard to record a video and post it on a social media site at all ask my my 10 year old she'll do it all the time so it's not really hard and at the, at the problem that a lot of people are having is like they're trying to figure out you know how do i get x y and z it's like you just gotta start doing these things and and deal with the fact that people might not like you and you might get judged and that's okay because that's the world um, but you also might impact somebody positively you know and, and right. starting out it's just a matter of creating and finding a groove and you don't even have to have the answers so it's not difficult or impossible. What's difficult is for a lot of people to wrap their head around what I just said and realize like, oh, it's really not systematically and structurally that hard. It's just hard to, to face the comparison of where you're not. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of want to jump back to your story for a little bit here. So you were in the NFL yeah. and, you know, you were pretty successful there until you had your injury. And obviously that injury really hurt a lot because that meant you were done with the NFL. So. I mean, you had like your foster care when you were younger. Like, did you ever have like a defeated mindset where like, man, this world is just against me to begin with. And like, I don't really know how to succeed with this. Like, did you ever have that mindset? Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I had it uh, too. You have those thoughts all your life. There's always that. I had that, that uh, definitely every day up until 14. So the definitive, you know, we'll call it structural years, developmental years for me. That's it was the majority of how I thought. And then, yeah, I mean, once I, I lost my career and the business was tanking and then my marriage was falling apart, believe me, that this was, you know, 20, I've been like 27, 26, 27. I'm like, man, this world's against me. So these are normal thoughts for people, but the problem is what you do with them. Because a lot of people, they'll have that happen. The thought will creep in and they live in it. They live out of it also. I, I stay there. I feel funky. And energetically, I take actions from that emotional space. The problem is that emotional space is not, it's not helpful. It doesn't, it doesn't benefit anybody. It's not useful and realistically ends up being detrimental because even when you don't feel like doing something, that is the time you have to do things. If you right. don't do actions, if you don't climb out of there, then what happens is you just, you stay there longer and you, you get pretty much 
curse to have that be your end result. And so you have to find ways to climb out of that with crazy bold action, even when emotionally you do not feel like doing anything. Right. And I don't know really who said this, but I remember this one quote where it's like, you, you can be angry about stuff, but only be angry for about 10 seconds and then just let it go. It's in the past and you can't really like change it anymore because it already happened so it's done so just let it go and learn to move on with your life but yeah you have to that's the only way you get things on action and suffering you have to take an action to end those moments that are suffering right and so if i have this correct like in your story i think you almost committed suicide the one time and you had like really bad depression and stuff like that oh yeah so how did you learn to like overcome this depression because i mean i'm only in high school and i know a lot of people around me that still have like tons of depression i'm like dude like why do you have depression like you have both your arms both your legs you're smart you live in a good community like stuff like that and i feel like they shouldn't be depressed overall and so i'm just curious like how did you learn to overcome your depression so it's interesting i don't even know if i would call it yeah i I guess you would probably in somebody's book call it depression but uh but it wasn't it was more a wave of just legit sheer i hate my life in this moment it was like a, a a compounding moment of suck. And I was like, ah, I don't want to be here anymore. And I just drove off. It was, it's crazy, man. But the, the, the climb out of it was, uh, was trying to find places where I could be around people that gave me a little bit of joy. There's tactical aspects, which is do work. Right. But at the same time, sometimes you just don't, you don't want to do anything. And a lot of us will feel like, you know, I don't feel like being happy. I'm just not going to go around other people, but damn, that's the thing you need the most. Cause People can borrow joy. Like if I have like a 10 joy, I'm the kind of guy that most people want to be around. So if things go tough. They will literally reach out and be like, hey, what's up? I don't know. I'm having a bad day. And I just take over from there. How you doing? What's, what's, the, what's the day about? And I just go. And it's not intentional. It's just who I am because I'm happy. I'm like, I don't want anybody to be unhappy. And obviously yeah. you're reaching out to me because you, you, you want some happy. And what they do is they borrow it from me for the day or the hour. And then it helps them be a little bit happier to you know take better actions that make you feel happy like more joy. And so then they, they move. And the reason I say borrow is because then they get to be that person for somebody else. So when someone's in a place that's difficult and tough, the, the worst thing you can do is just do it by yourself and be tucked away in your head. You've got to get out and actually have the conversations with other people and borrow their joy. Right. And I, I think having like a positive and happy mindset can honestly be, be like one of the most beneficial things that's what, it's what I've learned from like my podcast and stuff like that because your energy just like flows out of you and like other people start to pick up your vibes. And if you're bringing like this negative vibe all the time, then, you know, no one's really going to want to hang out with you. You're going to bring yourself down. You're going to bring other people down. And then ultimately, I, I think it's going to be harder to be successful, you know, if you have like this negative energy around you all the time. Yeah, well, everything you do is it's um, this is where the identity becomes part of how you operate, right? It's, it's the unconscious things that you do that you aren't even aware that you do. Like you're not even aware they're going on most of the time. And the unconscious are like the actions, the reactions, the thoughts, the it's what you exude. Like if you think about it, we've all been in areas where we're just sitting in a room where, you know, maybe if, if you're you know, older, you're going out and there's, there's always that person across the room. And for some reason, there's like a gravity to them, whether it's a smile or how just loose they are, or just, you can look at them and be like, I just want to go shake this person's hand. Like you're drawn to them. I don't even know what it is. It's drawn and it's this, it, it's this oozing of an energy. And then you see other people are like, oh, I'm going to steer clear. Like the RBF, you know, resting B face. And so you have to determine which one you choose to operate from realistically. And, and if you have the negative energy, like it will naturally affect how people see you 
how people interact with you, and then mostly how you interact with the world because the world's a mirror. Like if I go out in the world and I, I mean to people, guess they're going to do it. They're going to be mean to me unless you catch like happy people like myself, which just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of fun there. And so what happens is you, you get, you get what you give. So people were in bad moods and they give craziness and there's some funky butt moods and they go out and they're like, see, the world sucks. Well, yeah, cause you sucked today. That's why the world sucks today. So like in, in some ways you have to give before you can actually get that joy. And so people, they just seriously level up and just like, all right, I'm going to be happy today. Why? I don't know. I have every reason to be unhappy, but I'm just going to be happy because I don't want to live in this space. Then you can all be happy. It's super weird. But that's the aspect to it. And it's different if you have like chemical differences, right? If you're like obviously, um, you know, chemically depressed, there's things really going on. It's a different conversation. But if you're just, you know, in a funky mood because I got a bad grade, somebody didn't like my picture or, you know, mom's mad at me because I didn't do what I was supposed to. Like that's just be a, an adult, grow up and go find ways to be happy now because yeah. what you do is going to continue to make you feel funky. Yeah, man, I just gotta say that's what I love about you because, like, I mean, you're obviously you're you're huge. Like, you're in the NFL and stuff like that. You were on American Ninja Warrior, and I just reached out to you. Basically, you don't even know me. I have less than a thousand followers on Instagram, and you were just nice to me. So, I mean, like, it it just it's so awesome to see people out in the world that are really just doing what they preach. And I just I just really love to see that, and I love to see people like you that are doing what you do. So yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's always incredible to me. I, I tell people all the time, man, I'm a regular dude. But I got a regular, like an irregular desire to help people and do right. So I just, I show up. And I got a wife who's like, "Where are you? What are you doing? Why are you working all day?" Like I'm a regular guy. I got the same problem everybody else does. But I, I do and create and push out far more than most. And I learn. And I educate. Like I'm human, man. I am not some esoteric creature. And uh, and I think sometimes people desire to be that. Like I want to make money and then sit back and have you gander at me. I don't care what you see. But right now I'm sitting in my house with an old like NFL shirt that I used to wear with a busted sleeve and some flip flops with no socks that I know they probably stink. But I'm a regular guy. Like this is my life. I don't have like I don't have to have yachts and Ferraris. None of that matters to me. Like I've watched the people who have that, and like it looks good. But don't get me wrong. There's some people that have amazing families and have great wealth. That that's don't get me wrong. But I think the far majority of people are going after the Playboy. I want to have that nice watch ferrari like all right for what because you would get home alone like all right cool 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 story bro you know have bring somebody in to film everything in your house like all right cool like but if you're sitting there by yourself eating pop tarts like that's not a that's not a life i want to live man (laughs) yeah i i totally agree with that i think society kind of pushes us towards that lifestyle too and they really like make it look really cool and like everyone should be doing that but you know i'm a christian and you know like one of the things that really bothers me is like how we live like perfectly normal lifestyles here. And then, you know, there's like kids in Africa that have to walk like 10 miles just to get like water and stuff like that. And we could be like giving stuff to them to help them. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, it, I guess it really all just depends on like your morals and stuff and where you stand and your beliefs. Like, but I, I don't know. I just feel like everyone should be able to help other people in order to, you know, like fulfill their passion without having to get like those nice cars and those yachts that like in reality, they don't really mean anything. And when you die, no one, no one's going to care about your yacht. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, at the end of the, it's interesting too. Is I mean, it's hard to say people don't get them. I just express what I need. Some people want them, and that's fine, man. Like I think it's totally. It's, if you want a Ferrari and a yacht, dude, I'm not downplaying anything. I'm just saying, at the end of the day, make sure it's really the core of who you are and what you want. And if you like yourself, at the end of the day, 
because right. I don't know a lot of people. I know some people that have that and they're solid people, but I also know more people that have that and they, they just fell in love with the, the grind. They didn't build a life, man. They get to the back end of their days and it's just like you can see them just kind of a little bit more empty than they should be, a little bit more unhappy than, than you should be. And it's a weird, scary thing for me. So for me yeah. right now, I don't push out. I don't do as much as I, my heart would like to do because I'm in the season of dad. I got a 15-year-old and 10-year-old twins, man. I got probably at least another seven years before I do like a really big push. And some people would judge that. Oh, now's the time to capitalize. How could you? You got to do da 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 Hey, man, I'm cool. But I, I would much rather be at a soccer game when this thing lifts or at a baseball practice or a track meet, like just sitting there eating, you know, snack bar food than trying to find a way to get in the next TV show. Because again, like it's an, it's an empty climb if you have no destination. And so for yeah. me, my, my climb is going to be like, hey, my kids are off to school. I just want to be able to share a cool message now that, that I don't have to be everywhere with them. Like it's just me and my wife now. Like, all right, now it's time to really serve the world at the, the level that I really creepy want to. Doesn't yeah. mean I'm working now. I'm grinding now, but not to the extent that some people are. Right, yeah. That's awesome. And it, it really is important to like enjoy the ride that you're going on. I mean, like you only get the, your kid's childhood one time. So like it makes sense to just enjoy it while you have it. So yeah, 18 summers, they're gone. Yeah, exactly. So I would like to switch lanes here a little bit. So you were the first NFL athlete to ring the bell on American Ninja Warrior. And, you know, you really did all of this, even though you went to foster care, even though you had an NFL ending injury. I mean, you had all these setbacks. You still were able to ring that bell like, a lot of really fit athletes still can't do that themselves. So what did that mean to you when you were able to do that? You know, it was cool. It was one of those things where we all have aspects of, uh, of, of what we can do. We don't realize we're capable of doing it, so we don't do it sometimes. And mm -hmm. it was an interesting thing where, like, I wasn't supposed to. A lot of us looked at things we're not supposed to do. In fact, the producers on the show beforehand, they did not think I was supposed to. They didn't think I was going to hit it. In fact, afterwards, they were like, hey, that wasn't supposed to happen because people – like right now, I stand about six one and a half, almost six two, two hundred and forty pounds. Like I'm, a, I'm a bigger human, and yeah. and this is not your typical. Most of the guys on the show, I kid you not, they're like at most the majority one eighty. Most of them are around between like one fifty to one eighty. They stand about maybe on a good day like five eight. Like they're tiny little rock climber dudes. And yeah. I've seen women who are less than a hundred pounds out there. So I get on there and legit the stuff squeaks when I'm hanging on it compared to them. I got an extra like 100 pounds on some, so I'm not supposed to do it. But hey, I got through the damn thing, and people were like, well, how did that work out? I don't know. So I've always been one that's like, you know, at the end of the day, you got to operate whatever box you create, not the box people put you in. And that was one of those things, like I wasn't supposed to do a lot. And in my life, I was not supposed to, on paper, accomplish a lot. But I'm playing bonus rounds now, man. Those of you guys who play video games, you get it. Like, you win the level, it's like, all right, bonus round, like, how many of this can you get and that can you get? So I'm in the bonus rounds of life. Like I've done some cool things, but I'm trying to see how many how many rings and points I can get still. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, if, if I were you and someone asked you like, man, how do you do that? I would tell them like, man, I'm just a tank. That's how. Because I mean, yeah. honestly, that, that's a lot of upper body strength. So that's really, that's really awesome. But, um, like I'm always curious, like how much training does it take to do something like that? Did you have to train a lot? Yeah, well, you know, you have to, you do, if you want to be good at it, those guys live it and breathe it. I have a, yeah. weird, uh, a weird level of grip strength that I learned and got grips built up in football. So I still have a creepy grip strength uh, and body control from just being an athlete. So I was able, and also I'm not, uh, I have a weird inability 
to be freaked out at like throwing my body around. Some people are scared to be up high and throw their body and catch at their hands and all that kind of stuff. And I just, oh, oh, here we go. I just started doing it. So um, that was kind of the one, I guess, aspect you can call it that made it a little bit easier for me to go out and do it. But yeah, that was it. It was just weird skills that just popped out of nowhere. That's awesome, man. And like you said, your NFL career kind of helped you do that. And so like focusing on your NFL career a little bit, like what is your most memorable moment about being in the NFL and your most favorite moment? Uh, most favorite moment? Favorite yeah. moment. Uh, you know, the favorite one was like being uh, my rookie year, one of my preseason games, and I had my wife get to come out and see me on the field warming up on a professional football team. That was pretty cool. Cause that's you know something that is way different monster than like high school where she knew me and college where she'd been there and then like now I'm in the pros like she got to to walk you know go every level with me and watch me perform at the highest level in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the beginning of this episode, you said that like you thought you weren't very athletic and stuff like that. I so how did you? <laughs> how did you like? When did you realize you were going to be like a D1 athlete and go to Oregon to play football, like as a linebacker? Oh, man, right before it happened, man, it wasn't a, it was definitely not a, a known thing. When I first started, I sucked and I had to figure out how to get past sucking and doing the, I don't do that. I had to figure out how to do the work to get past sucking. That was the big thing. How do I do this work that's incredibly difficult with no guarantee of success? And yeah. it wasn't until like my senior year that I really got anybody looking at me. Because before that, I was just having fun playing the game. And that turns yeah. into like, oh, wow, this is this is real. I might actually have a shot at this. Then I went to college. And and then even then, in college, there wasn't like a, an NFL dream. It was kind of like, oh, maybe, you know, I, it wasn't a thought. And then my senior year, I'm like, wait, I might actually have a shot at this. And that's pretty much how it's always wow. I just work. I, I'm, always, I'm always married to the process, not the outcome. So I let things flow, and they turn into cool things, man. Wow, that's awesome, dude. So, like, were you, like, really surprised when they call your name at the NFL draft? I didn't get drafted, man. They they uh they called me on the phone a couple times, like, "Hey, we're gonna pick you up in the fifth round," and then nothing, and then all right, we're gonna get you in the sixth round, and then nothing, and then seventh round three times, oh. nothing, and then I didn't get drafted, and then uh, I got called like ten minutes after the draft closed, signed with the Buccaneers, called a priority wow. agent. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, so I mean, I really loved having you on today. You shared a lot of really great content. And before we run out of time, is there anything else you would like to say? Oh, man, appreciate you having me on. You know, as long as I can help out, I don't know who's going to hear it, but whoever's listening, man, I hope this helped you in some way, to be honest. Definitely. All right, guys, there you have it. Anthony Truck, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. This episode was sponsored by Ruben Alvarez from In For The Kill Podcast. Check out his YouTube channel for product reviews, mindset videos, and interviews. No way that we go is a one-way street. Nothing that we love is a one-day. And if we gon' do it, we gon' do this now And if we say we gon'